Welcome to the podcast today. Uh, you know I greatly dislike buzzwords. Um, but uh, <laughs> wow, just wow to describe today's conversation that we're going to dive into with. Uh, you also know that once a month, maybe once every six weeks or so. Um, I, I say something to the effect, they get all hyperbolic and go, this is the best guest we've ever had. This is one of these conversations that I'll go back to over and over again. And, uh, and again, that, that pops up in like four, six more weeks. Uh, all that is appropriate for today's guest. Uh, we're almost all mental health. And as I just asked him, asked Cecil as he was departing, um, you may be one of them, but but lots of people will often reach out to me and go, hey, I'm, I'm ready to talk to somebody. And I ask what's wrong. And then I reach out to my uh, my mental health Avengers. Then they fire back. Well, what kind of insurance do they have? Um, what can they afford? Blah, all that stuff. Uh, I told Cecil I'm adding him to that crew that I will be reaching out when you reach out to me seeking help. I think you're going to get plenty right now. Let's welcome Alex. Alex is often here for visits, and uh, you you get a, a talking to for not introducing me to Cecil Holston. <laughs> I, I just didn't think of it. I'm like, why didn't I? Why didn't I make this connection sooner? Uh, I will introduce Cecil here in just one second. But why he is here, uh, or how he wound up here? Well, he drove here, and I let him in the gate. Yes. But also, what a nice car, too. <laughs> I love it. I was like, that's Cecil's car. Even I, though steel, I knocked off my mirror pulling out of my uh, garage, <laughs> but I ordered another one. It's very nice. Another car or no, another what? mirror? <laughs> <laughs> another mirror cover. Let me say that. Another I love, car. I love you. Oh, he's, he's got a lot of letters after his name. He, he could have done another that's car. That's what I'm saying. Oh another gosh. car or another. <laughs> Back in November, um, Alex, as part of Epic Toledo. Yeah. Held yes. uh, a seminar mostly about mental health in the workplace during the Epic Toledo Leadership Summit. That's right. Um, you invited me, our our, our, our manager here, Dana, mm-hmm. um, our friend Mike Carter from Mental Health and Recovery Services Board was there as well, and then this guy Cecil. Mm-hmm. You're like, he's a therapist. I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just like sat in awe listening to Cecil mm-hmm. talk. I'm like, he he mm-hmm. is like the black version of Eric Chase. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. He, like right down to yes. the attire. Yes. Um, yes. He tells it like it is. Right. So without further ado, uh, Cecil, Alex is banned for at least a couple minutes <laughs> for not introducing us years ago. What are all the letters after your name? Um, I'm Cecil. I have, I'm a licensed mental health therapist, but I'm a master licensed mental health therapist. What does the master mean? So I, mas- I have my master's in social work. Um, I graduated from Spring Arbor in 20, where were we in? 2024 now? Mm-hmm. So three years ago, 2021. Where'd you grow up at? Uh, Toledo, north in the city of Toledo. Where'd you go to high school? Central Catholic. Cool. Class 05. Um, so thank you for taking some time to, to be here with us. Um, you were at uh, RFS, RFS Tackle for a little while? I was. I was there for about a good total five years and then left and now I do private practice now. Tell, tell me about why you... I won't forget to let you ask questions. No, I'll just cut building. it. No, I'm, oh, I'm no. all for Listen, it. Let's go. I'm, yeah, I go for this. it. RFS Tackle uh, helps out with a lot of our schools in the area. I like Correct. Carrie a lot and, and Heidi over there. Why did you decide to hop into private practice? Private practice for me is, community mental health is a great learning tool when you're like undergraduate, when you're still learning master level. Uh, but once I've been in the field now for 13 years, so it was time to kind of switch over to people coming to me. Um, I got tired of driving around all the time and being out in the community. Um, even though I love my community, 
just driving around trying to find kids all the time was the hard part. But uh, I love private practice. I want to jump like right into the deep end, deep end of the, of the pool here. Um, Alex and I are out a lot. She's probably told you some about us. And, and I haven't actually. No, she oh. hasn't. Oh. I haven't. Oh. So oh. he's probably like, "What's Alex doing oh, here?" Boy. I know. This is fun. <laughs> this is be fun. So I, through Alex and through other people that I know, I am fortunate enough to 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 be in schools where people don't, or uh, organizations and people don't look like me. Uh-huh. We know people like uh, our friend Sonia Quinn. Sonia. Yes, Sonia. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I, I love Sonia. And I know that Sonia is out there doing doing the Lord's work. Oh. Our last our last Nami walk, there were more. Black people there than white people, and fun it, fact: I DJ that. Was that? That was him. That's why you didn't see him. I'm you're sorry. Being, you're a bastard. You could have walked me over to him. You curse. There's no cursing. You better so, yeah, edit that. Fun fact: I, I DJ that. Yes, you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. There were more black people there than white people. And yes. I, I, well, I know we have tried to move this along um, to get. We want to get everybody help, but mm-hmm. we. I, I know, and I'm not ingrained in this but like like you are or Alex mm-hmm. um, uh, we say that we all bleed the same color blood mm-hmm. all of our brains look the same regardless of, of our, our skin color um, and I know it is still a challenge to get into really any minority community mm-hmm. it's hard to do to, to get with white people to get them to help themselves True. give me your perspective and why you got into mental health Ooh, this is a fun one. Um, so originally, I the fun fact about most social workers that they were in something and then became something else. So I was in engineering <laughs> before I became a social worker. That's absolutely true. Sports medicine yeah, for me. Like every social worker I know or case manager I know did something and then became a social worker. Um, so my mom, um, who raised me, a single parent, um, wanted to be a caseworker at JFS. And I remember as a kid her talking about it a lot. Um, I went to UT my first semester I ended up with a 1.7 on academic probation mm. talked to my mentor and he was like uh, go take a bunch of easy classes next semester and increase it to like a 3.3 and that'll help I'm like alright so I go talk to an advisor at the social work department and I'm like mm, what can I do and she's like well you can graduate in four years I'm like perfect I don't want to be here for five <laughs> um, and it will knock off a couple of your courses you'll be done in four done and out I'm like cool perfect Got the social work degree, didn't know what to do with it afterwards. Um, first job was actually task in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott Silak, who's now the director of uh, the Mental Health and Recovery Services Board, hired me on spot wow. um, and made me within in six wow. months. Um, and six months of me working there, I had to get my license. But at that oh. point, I didn't even know what a license was. I was like, right. I got to take the test, get the license, and I got my license. So for from 2010 until now, I've had my license. What, what about wanting to be a part of mental health and, and helping others? What, what made the light bulb go on? Uh, I think for me, I was always a kid that wanted someone to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my mom was great at listening, but I always wanted someone to listen to me. Um, so I found that my motivation to becoming a social worker was so that I could help people who looked like me, um, especially young males who grew up without a father. So that was my big motivation at first. Now it's just the fact of understanding mental health, yeah. um, just the basics of it, right? Because everybody's like, oh, mental health, I'm anxiety, I'm depression. It's like, yeah, yeah. it sounds right, but that's not always the correct thing. Um, so my motivation has always been to make sure people get the help they need. Quality care over quantity mm-hmm. care. I I think um, since we're always going in the schools with the Prevention Coalition and other opportunities that I have, um, I'm, I'm sure that the kids, um, when they hear that they're going to get 
you know, a, a presenter. They don't get somebody like me, or they're not expecting me. Right. Mm. I wear my right Jordans. I wear whatever Marvel shirt. I, it, I'm not. Right. I don't have any shirts with collars. Right. So I think you know that's all. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. My authenticity, I think, um, re- helps me relate to anybody. But I think those kids will give me the opportunity because I, I look like that. Yes. Do you ever get that with the communities you're trying to connect with? Because when you hear doctor or or clinician or whatever, we're all, regardless of what we look like, a little intimidated. Yes. But then we show up with our hats and sweats. <laughs> and that's what I love. So mm-hmm. I've changed. So originally I've always been business casual because that's where most of my places have always been. Mm-hmm. That uh, was the expectation. That was the expectation, mm-hmm. right? You walk in, you got to have tan pants, uh, nice shoes. Mm-hmm. But I've always worn Jordan, so that wasn't even an issue. Um, and then a collar shirt. And then I had a light bulb go off a couple of years ago when I started working with kids at Taco and was like, mm, they need to look, I want them to look like me. So yeah. the conversation started with, hey, Mr. C, you always got nice shoes on. Or Mr. C, you always dress nice. Or Mr. C, you wear this. or And they felt more comfortable, right? They didn't know. Sometimes they'd be like, are you even a therapist? And I'm like, uh, let me check my credentials. Um, <laughs> but yes, I am a therapist. Um, and then I made it easier for them to have a conversation, right? So we, we always talk about therapy and use the word therapy, but therapy is just a conversation. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes making it on a kid's level of like, we're just having a conversation about how you're feeling, your feelings are. And I might not even talk about your feelings all the time. Sometimes you might just want to talk about what's going on outside, right? Or what's the, the newest thing that's on TikTok, right? <laughs> but before back then it was musically. Um, right. So that was their thing of having those conversations and we have them and then they just open up. I have a, one more to fire off at the top of my head and then you can fire away if you'd like or apologize no I want to let I will jump in okay. and you two go um thank you for sharing all that and it's so glad to have I'm so glad to have this conversation um when you're doing your private practice mm-hmm. uh when most people think of that or visualize that they think of someone sitting in a chair mm-hmm. and you're on a sofa mm-hmm. this person is writing things down mm-hmm. looking at uh, their glasses they're dressed probably uh business casual right do you look like this in your all office? All the time. All the awesome. time. Awesome. I love it. Hoodie, sweats, or uh, I wear slides sometimes. I wear my hat sometimes in session. Um, because, And I don't even write in session either. Mm-hmm. Um, I allow them to understand that I'm not a writer. Like, I'm not going to take notes. I'll take notes when you leave. Um, but my full undivided attention is on you. Um, so I put my cell phones on my desk. I keep them out of my pocket so it doesn't have that uh, phantom ring or phantom vibrate. Um because I want people to understand that therapy is not about me, right? It's not about the therapist. It's about you. So if your journey is you sit on the couch and talk to me for 50 minutes to 60 minutes and I got a hoodie and sweatpants on, you be like you were talking to your friend. Um, but I'm not your friend at the end of the day, but I get the concept of it. An objective friend yes, yes. who looks like and dresses yes, like me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, question, I, I hope people are already drawn to you, so let me get <laughs> this in right away. How can people become a, a client, a, a patient of yours? It, it's very challenging to find people these days. Do you have openings is the question. So this yeah. is the thing. I've been in this 2024, so it's, I already know. I haven't been in the office in like two weeks. So I don't know if I know my passwords anymore. Um, <laughs> but um, I am... Located at 3131 Executive Parkway, Suite 210. Um, I have openings, but most of my openings are early from 12 to 3. Most of my 4 to 6 are already taken up. Sure. So I have those early openings, but those late ones are kind of like checkboxed. I want to come. Oh, uh, this is also important because my friends who I reach out to when they ask me for help, um, any specific insurances you do or don't take? Uh, I have a long laundry list of them. So, um, there are probably about a, most of Medicaid. I can say that off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. There's some commercial since there's some commercial ones. 
Um, so there's probably about a good 10 to 12 that I accept where, where, where I'm at. Uh, phone number and or website where you drive people to? So phone number 419-279-0933. I repeat that again, 419-279-0933. Um, I have an email address as well. Um, it's opat419 at gmail.com. O-P-A-T-419 at gmail.com. Do you have a specialty that you feel like... Yes. Do you have a specialty that you feel like um, individuals in the community, if they're experiencing this, if they identify as this, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, men, young adults, teenagers, um, I accept women as well. Sure. Um, but most of mine are teenagers age nine and up. Mm-hmm. Young men and men. That's been, and the, the interesting part is I have found a majority of my practice are men. So I ask that because I want to say, for those that are listening, don't be afraid to ask your employer if they will allow you time to go see a therapist. 100%. Don't be, you know, while your four to six is full, that 12 to three <laughs> slot, I don't, I think people need to get a bit more comfortable with at least divulging enough information to say, will you invest in me going to see a therapist on my lunch break? Can I take an extended break? Can I go? I support my employees going on company time, if I'm being honest. It's a great thing we never discussed here. And I think that, I think that if you can speak to that a little bit, don't be afraid to to ask your employer if they're willing to support you seeing someone. 100%. Um, I also write letters for, so if you need a letter to take back to your employer that you came to an appointment, um, I do not put diagnosis down. I just put the time you came and when you saw me, I sign it. I could email it to them. Great. Um, So I I do do that as well if anybody has, even children, if they want to take them out of school Mm -hmm. and bring them to me. This Um, is, that really tries these employers that are toting workplace mental health and supporting workplace mental health. This challenges that. Do you truly? Correct. You know, um, some general questions. Uh, where are you? What are your philosophies, maxims, tenets? She's heard all of mine repeatedly. I just had a conversation with someone I was getting to know last night. Um, I, I am trying to push, like, let's stop going. And I might have said this when, when we were at Epic. Uh, let's stop chasing happiness because yes. that's a that's a feeling. Let's let's find purpose. Correct. And I know a lot of people wind up in therapy because they're like, I don't I don't know why I'm here. Well, right. purpose is more important than happiness. Um, I'm also well, yeah. Your general philosophies and tenets. <laughs> so for me, a lot of times I get people who think therapy is crisis mode, and it's not. We've lived in this model that therapy is about when I'm like at my down bottom, and mm. it's really not. It's preventative. Um, it's it's about not being in crisis, right? You don't come to therapy while you're in crisis to figure out how to get out of crisis. You come before you get to crisis so that you have those abilities and those tools to stop the crisis. Like uh, I do with my, my my dentist reads for Dr. Frankel, take care of the little problems before they become big ones. 100%. Um, that, that and maintenance stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'm afraid. It's similar to like getting a physical once a year or something like yes. that. Um, how hard do people who may, might be new to therapy or just stepping in, do they find that kind of bizarre that like I should see you when, I, when I'm when i feeling okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, a lot of times people say, well, I'm good and I don't need to see you anymore. And it's like, that's when you need to see me. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Because now you're in the maintenance phase. Um, before the the lovely walking through, I need to figure all this stuff in my life. I'm really sad. I'm not making my bed. Okay, that's great. Um, and those are the things that may be bothering you right now. But when you get to maintenance, and you're good and you are plateauing, that's when you need to see me, right, on a consistent basis to make sure you don't get back to that, I don't want to get up, I don't want to leave my house, I don't want to go to work. When I get in my car, I get really anxious. You don't want that. That's not when you come to me because now you're still in the crisis mode. Um, 
but I'm also very direct and blunt with people at times in therapy as well. Never right? would have guessed that. Right? Not so, at all. <laughs> Our chemistry like, together, never would have guessed that. Never, right? Um, like, you got to stop doing the weed. <laughs> okay. Right? But I, I need people to understand when you come to me, I'm going to be your, I'm going to walk around, I'm going to walk along the journey with you. However, there are going to be times where I take a step back. Right? Because you have to figure out your life and be self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, but I'm also going to say, like, that's not smart to do. Right? Or why are you even thinking that that would be something that you would try to do? Um, but if you come to me, I'm going to make you think. Um, that's just a part of therapy. You're going to walk out the room and go, okay, now i got to do something different. Right? Because 50 to 60 minutes with me is great, but your life without me is where you have to work, to do the hardest work. Um, I can give you homework, but if you decide not to do it, that's your choice. However, it's going to help you along your journey. Um, also, I tailor everything to individualize, right? you got to have a treatment plan. you got to have a goal you want to come up with. But in that, that goal may change within by session four or session six. Mm. And that's okay. Um, <clears throat> or I'm also a therapist that if you feel like where we're going, that's not where you want to go, stop me. Right? Nope, I don't want to talk about that today. Okay, let's move on to something different. Um, so I think for me, mental health is helping those helping people understand you can make choices. Right? Today you can come and see me. As long as you show up. I say the hardest part about coming to therapy is showing up. Right? It's not about doing the work. It's about talking. It's about showing up. Because mm-hmm. some people sit in their car for 15 minutes before the session and go, should I even walk up there today? Right? Do I even want to even see his face today? And I'm like, eh, how could you miss this face? But that's besides <laughs> the point. Uh, I just want to make sure that people are talking in therapy and processing in therapy. What would you say, if you can, um, it's hard to generalize. I know that. So bear with me. Mm-hmm. What would you say is one of the most common or the top two most common challenges that your that your clients are facing? That's what I was going to ask. I feel that's because that's why we're the one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that speaks to. Um, I know we make predictions and we theorize mm-hmm. what what our community is facing the most or what Black people are really mm-hmm. being hit with. What would you say those like top two heavy hitting challenges are that keep people coming into your office? I think the biggest thing is childhood trauma. Mm. Um, may may I, sorry to interrupt, may I ask specifically what that is? Childhood trauma is- Oh, no, no, no. no. Like what they have experienced. Abuse, neglect, poverty, hunger. Because unfortunately, the spectrum is a constellation. And those are are things that we talk about regularly on the show. So I think when I talk about childhood trauma, I talk about the unheard um, mm. kids who had to sit in their room or had emotionally unavailable parents, mm. right? Working so, a lot, things like working that. Working a lot, you, the child becomes the parent um, or you're the oldest child and now you're taking care of the house along with your parents. Um, so I get a lot of the childhood trauma stuff of like, I was unheard, I was unlaw, I was lost, I felt alone, I felt isolated. And so now they become they become adults who can't really like establish good emotional connections. Can I ask, do you have to do a fair amount of work getting people to realize that that's really that core issue? 100%. Or do people come in already knowing like, listen, I got all this childhood trauma or no. do you have, okay. No. So they don't even know no. it. A lot of times wow. I have to get people to understand that their inner child is the reason why they're having the issue. That's wow. all of us. Wow. Right? Um, so a lot of times adults come in and think it's just like, it's now, and it's like, no. I hate my boss. And it's like, no, your boss reminds you of your mom, or mm-hmm. your dad, or your uncle, or your mm-hmm. grandfather, right? Or that relationship you had when you were 21, right? And now it's still stinging because now you're 31, and it's every relationship you've been in has been because of that relationship. Mm. Um, so that childhood trauma or that inner child that's just looking to have fun again 
can't have fun because it's still blaming itself for whatever it did as a kid. So I have to get people to understand, like, you can't keep blaming yourself, right? That's the basic necessity of helping people understand therapy. You can't come into therapy and blame yourself, right? That's just not where you come to blame, right? Because you didn't, you're unlearning all those things, mm-hmm. right? So if you walk into a room with a therapist and you're blaming yourself, the first thing they should work with you on is unblaming yourself. Um, if that's even a word. But unblaming yourself for anything that happened in your childhood. Right. Mm-hmm. We didn't know any better. We supposed to have two nurturing people to make us understand how to be better adults. You're talking to two of the most um, understanding people and, and a lot of people of, of all across the uh, political spectrum would say two of the most lenient people when it comes to criminality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just watching the video yesterday of the guy <laughs> who got denied probation and jumped over. Oh, clear, yeah, t- cleared out. Like he was pretty... Did you see the full? Did you see the full video? I didn't see the full video. Oh, but I'm just—I had a lot of questions. The fact of where was the bailiff at by the time he cleared? (laughs) Like I've been inside of courtrooms, and I don't know how he cleared two deaths. That's because the bailiffs be old. Like he cleared two deaths, but that's beside the point. Have you seen the videos where they showed him practicing? (laughs) Over the tables and yes, yes. But I'm just like, sorry, how did he clear two before they even got it? He got he got major air when I first saw that. And I, I know with the serious subject, I, I sent my friend the Jordan taking off from the foul line video. Because <laughs> I mean, that's about how much air he got. Right. Um, she mentioned that he I saw the had, full video. Okay, that he had some some mental health issues, but beyond that, and even, spoke about it. In the courtroom? Yes. Oh, like, okay. like it, they gave him an opportunity, and I, I, only for context, they gave him an opportunity, do you have anything you'd like to say? Yeah, judge, all of, because she says, you had all these prior charges and convictions, you've got a long history, sir. Mm-hmm. You're asking me for leniency, but you have this history. And he said, straight up, I was undiagnosed, untreated, and had no idea that was mental illness showing up in my life. And went on and on and on. And I believe, it it was hard to hear, but I believe he said he's on the shot. And I said, oh. Oh, Right, because to to us, I mean, this is, I would say... I'm a godly person, but this is like our church. This is what we do. This is what we know. We live in this. And so when I heard that, I said, oh, there's significant mental yeah, illness in yes, his yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gave, she threw the book at him anyway. Then he jumped across. Yeah, that makes <laughs> so sense. So that was yes. what was left out. Uh, okay, the context of it. Mm-hmm. This is uh, furthering your point about unblaming yourself. Yeah. Um, when something heinous happens, and unfortunately it happens a lot in this, this world, another school shooting yesterday, um, Alex and I will, will always agree that, yeah, obviously these people need to be punished. Correct. But also something's broken with this person. Yes. Similar to how I always say, um, if you wake up and your brain is telling you to kill yourself, it's not working correctly because like, <clears throat> since we have stood up as human beings, we just... Got to stay alive. 100%. So if your brain's saying otherwise, something's wrong. Similar to how these heinous behaviors happen, something at some point broke your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We, we are a product of our genes and DNA, mm-hmm. but also, to your point, your experiences. What trauma turned you into this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, it's making your brain operate in a space of hopelessness mm-hmm. perpetually. You know, and then that's where and I think and maybe you can speak to this because when we talk about the minority community, negative effects or consequences of undiagnosed and untreated mental illness shows up much differently in our lives. 100%. We have different kinds of consequences than other populations of people. Mm-hmm. That consequence is jail, that consequence is death, poor health, lack of support yes. in the family. And it's so important that we then 
get to a NAMI walk and see ourselves represented mm-hmm. heavily because the consequences for us are so different. You want to talk about that? A lot of, and not even just the undiagnosed, but also the misdiagnosed, where a lot yes. of times we have um, certain diagnoses that fit all or catch all. ADHD. And, and our ADHD in our community, right? And it's like, no. Um, what about his environment, mm-hmm. right? Um, or are we missing that the fact that his father has been in prison for 10 years, right? And if you don't have two parents and you have one, of course you're going to be hyperactive. You only got, you don't have anywhere else to let your energy out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think within our community, we are now just understanding, unfortunately, mental health now, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Where we're about a good 10 to 15 steps behind on mental health. Um, I was watching a behind the scenes randomly on VH1 a couple of days ago. And it was Christina Aguilera was the one who the behind the scenes was. And her mom was like, oh, yeah, I'll put her in therapy. And I'm like, I don't remember having this conversation. As a about kid? As, as a kid. Like, yeah. like 18, 19, right? <laughs> and I'm like, where did I miss that at? Because I don't remember having or hearing about this because I was watching that as a kid. So where was therapy at mm-hmm. at that point? So for me, I didn't understand therapy until my 30s, mm-hmm. right? Where some people understood it at 17 and 18 or understood it in their 20s or private practice is new for my community, but it's not new as a new phenomenon. It's been around for years. Um, so I think for us in our community, we, we're now understanding, okay, let me get properly diagnosed. Let me make sure I'm taking medications. Let me make sure if I am taking medications that I'm taking them consistently. Um, or if I don't want to take my medications consistently, I'm doing coping mechanisms to make sure that if I'm imbalanced, I'm back balanced. Um, but to prove to your point of being... If you wake up and your mind is telling you something that you don't need to do, you need to make sure you go find somewhere, right? So nearest hospital. Um, if you wake up and you're like, mm, today I'm just not feeling the best and I can't go find a therapist because they're backed up, right? Go to your nearest hospital, get risk assessed. Um, but that even goes for our community. We have to be able to trust the hospitals, right? So if we don't trust the hospitals, we're not going to go to them. Um, so I think it's just unraveling years of mistrust. Right to get to that proper diagnosis. That's why I joke. <laughs> How much time do you have? I got time. Good. That's why I joke with her and she knows I understand. I'm like, I even we're in a COVID period right now, mm-hmm. but on the healthiest days of the year, mm-hmm. I still see black folks in their car with masks on. Mm-hmm. But I know about the Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. I would be distrustful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a medication question that I'll get to, but I want to loop back in with what Alex asked. Um, we have people doing phenomenal work. Mm-hmm. If you don't like these people, it's totally fine. I get it. Um, <laughs> like when you talked about uh, young boys, young men, mm-hmm. men, uh, that seems like uh, Tremaine. At I the was program. just going to say, no, do you know Tremaine? Yes, yes. I've heard he of could it. just hand people over to you. Um, we so, need to just. Yeah. <laughs> he, gets, he, gets, he gets kids. He's helping fatherless boys. Um, he's doing that angle. There are resources in school. I watched my friend Sheena last night get back on the TPS board. Yes, there are people helping uh, lower income kids of color mm-hmm. in, in our school systems. Mm-hmm. My friend Wendy <clears throat> Huntley at uh, Connecting Kids to Meals mm-hmm. is right. getting kids fed all summer. So we're starting to check some boxes. You mentioned so many steps behind in, in the black community. How do we weave mental health and you into some of those causes? <laughs> Can you what? talk about it? So the biggest thing that I'm learning is, um, for me, I have a, a list of clinicians outside of me. But when it comes to me, I think the thing is, um, I have this um, 
I can relate to the community, right? Yeah. I grew up in the North End um, for 22 years of my life. Um, Stick Me and Woodward was where my mom raised me. So I understand what the inner city looks like, what it feels like. I can walk in the manor and not feel afraid. I can walk in the cherry woods and not feel afraid. I can walk to the east side and not feel afraid. Mm-hmm. That doesn't intimidate me, right? I've been inside a prison, so that don't really, uh, you can be walking by a prisoner in the mall and you don't even know it. So I think that's where my mentality goes of, mm-hmm. I'm protected enough where I'm not, I don't have to have worries. Um, but that also comes from my grandma who's still alive, who prays consistently, right? So mm-hmm. I don't have any worries about walking in certain communities. Um, but when it comes to connecting to these programs, I enjoy talking about mental health. I enjoy being able to relate to mental health. Um, I enjoy having conversations about mental health um, because you don't get it from many people that look like me um, or who walk in with a hoodie, some sweats, and some Jordans and go, I have a master's degree, mm-hmm. right? So you don't get that too often either. Mm-hmm. Um, you get people who are like, oh, I have a suit, I have a tie, I have a master's degree, let's talk about mental health. And like, Intimidating. Oh, right, I don't want to talk about that now. Um, but I can relate it to you where I can talk about music, right? What's your favorite artist? Okay, you're listening to that. So I can tell you listen to this one that maybe you're going through some depressive states, right? Um, or I can find relations to this population because I look like them and I can understand where they're coming from. Right. This this is <clears throat> proven. Um, how do we put you in that wheel of those people I just mentioned? Is it the kind of thing, and, and other Cecils, if there are any. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, no, but, but yes. variations, I'm right. sure. Yes, yes, yes. Is this yes. the kind of thing where, where like, and I'm just picking them because Tremaine has an event coming up and, and Wendy is one of the greatest people in our community. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, when Wendy's feeding kids at city parks over the summertime, you make it out there and if Wendy or one of her people sees a kid and like there's clearly something going on here um, there's Cecil over there shooting some hoops mm-hmm. or whatever and they go that guy he can he can help you mm-hmm. um, if there's something going is that, and we send you out there or same thing with, with Tremaine if he's got a kid that is just going a little sideways and right. you're at one of the events they go see that guy over there with he's a therapist the, the older white guy? No, the guy with the <laughs> Orioles hat. <laughs> with the gauges. Yeah, right, with the that gauges. With the gauges. The nose rings, right? Because yes. that, that's the smoke yes. that we have to get to because I love that we're getting these kids fed and trying to get them um, socially educated mm. and educated and active. Yes. and active and everything. But they all still have brains. And yes. that component, like you said, ten, it, for kids might be a hundred steps behind. So you yes. need. I want you to be a part of all that. Can you talk about it? Oh, Mm. Uh, oh yes, I can. This is uh, oh the grant. Oh yes, yes. This softball talk. Yes, this, yes. this yes. is po- just podcast stuff. Oh, is so it? we'll okay. not be. So you can say you fuck have out to have if you want. Back for another community yes, show. Yes. So that. I um I actually received a grant from the Lucas County Mental Health and Recovery Services Board, a mini grant um that I need to start promoting soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to do sixty participants by June. Um, but it's going to look like the Team Summit style, like we used to have on BT, where you sit have a conversation, and they talk more than I talk. Um, and I'm going to split it up into two different subgroups. So I remember third, the Teen Summit. Right, where you just sit yeah. and you just talk, right? Where the adults don't get to talk, but the kids get to talk. Yeah. Um, and they get to have their voice again. Um, and I wanted to do it around like certain topics. One of them wanted to be grief, because I realized in the 13 to 18 range, grief is bigger than what it is with adults. Um, I don't remember as a 13 or 14 year old losing four friends in two years. Right. Um, but to, to very violent means as well. Violence or hanging out with a friend on Monday by Wednesday, he's not here anymore. Right. She's not here anymore. Right. 
that in itself is grief, but we don't talk about it enough. But these kids from 13 to 18 are losing three to five friends within two years. I just lost my mom two years ago. That was the first person I lost in my life at 30-something, mm-hmm. right? So to lose a friend that you just hung out with or played football with or to lose a friend that you went to a dance with or to know what happened to that friend, the details of what happened to that friend, or to see a snap of a friend who was who passed away. That's a lot. Um, I know as an adult, I can't even process grief sometimes. So to be 13, go to school, have parents yelling at you about grades, and then also losing um, a friend, that's a lot. And there's seemingly two sides to that, of the same kid who is a freshman at, say, Woodward, mm-hmm. um, that loses that kid. There's one that still is pretty innocent, mm-hmm. uh, idealistic, and, and it happens that he's just stunned and shocked. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's the other kid, same kid, who's waiting for his kid to get to die because yes. he knows who yeah. he hangs out with. Yes. Yeah, yes, that yes. hopelessness maybe. Or, I'm like, yeah. Or the retaliation of it, right? I lost a friend and now I have to retaliate back because yeah. I lost that friend, right? How, mm-hmm. how do we help you do this? How do I, I, you got, I'm at your disposal. Okay. I think for me, I need to, I need to start sitting down and getting who I need to put in place. Yes. Um, and yes. I need to, and this is a great segue into even my mind. I told myself I need to start doing this soon because I need to do a report by the 10th. So I need to start doing something soon. But I want each participant is going to get a gift card, no matter what. So sixty, I'm gonna have sixty gift cards and food, right? Because kids mm. like food. Mm-hmm. So food and gift cards are going to get the kids to come in. Um, and I know once I give them food and gift cards, they'll talk, right? Because it'll be weird at first, but then once you get someone that says, "Hey, let's just talk about this," and you get to talk, and I get to listen for the first time <laughs> in your life, you just get to talk to someone. An adult listens. That's a win-win for you, um, especially because if we get adults who are just willing to just listen, that's what all I need. I just need adults who are willing to listen, um, not talk at, not talk for, not talk against. Just listen, because a lot of these kids are just wanting someone to listen to them. Right. They don't have a voice. Um, it's always like, well, you should do this. Or when you grow up, don't do this or don't move this way or don't go hang out with this person compared to saying, well, what do you want to do? Right. So this would be an event, maybe not at the Glass City Center, but something like that auditorium. And Mo- it'll, be, it'll, it'll be multiple from. So I'll have multiple um, multiple groups. Um, ongoing. Yeah, ongoing. So mm-hmm. just be grief will be one of the topics. Uh, we may talk about um, gun violence. We may talk mm. about mental health. We may talk about. Uh, I want to do a um, a self care day mm-hmm. where they come in and they just kind of like do yoga um, or do a meditation or do something that helps them different than playing a sport. Right. Everything is not about a sport all the time. Sometimes our which is often our outlet. Right. Our outlet is basketball, football. Mm-hmm. Right. I talking my anchor out. Mm-hmm. But if you've never tried yoga, then stretched because you've never been presented it, you won't try it. Or maybe you've never had to make a stress ball before, um, and you have to make a stress ball. Um, so just those type of things where I want kids to have different um, experiences. However we can help. Um, we can help do food. You got it. Um, you know who would be a big hand to him? Can maybe like uh, send some people over? Our friend down the street. Mr. Tiggs. Yeah, Andre Tiggs. Do you know Andre Tiggs? Mm-mm. Oh, well, you will. Eric's strength is connecting people. Okay. 100%. Love okay. language. And naps. Strength. Naps. And not showing up. Uh, that too. The naps are mine. That too. Or the, <laughs> they're like, he'll support you, but even though he said he'll be there, he might not. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. But know? I will connect you yes. and I will, and, and you, two people will be like, we're on and I'll be like, good, I'm leaving the group text. <laughs> 
What's um, the name of that class? 419, oh, Safety 419. Safety 419, and I forget how the hell I- TPS. Forgot, okay. Forget how the hell I got over there. Um, Andre Tate. Mental health. We, we went on to talk about mental health somebody, with Angel. But somebody found me sooner. I don't know. How, maybe it was Gene. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Mr. Andre Tiggs, he teaches Safety 419, which Former is like- Former fire department. Okay. Uh, and, and I think he was also um, like an investigator for the- He was. Very, very decorated- um, nice. okay. He was the first one. Yeah. He's historic. That's right. Can can we just can we just share? I know I keep interrupting you. Former fireman in okay. the uh, Toledo Fire Department okay. and went over into TPD. And so he was the first um, arson investigator- through the police department. Oh. So he's like, I'm like, there's a little black history going on with Andre Takes. He's the best. Okay. He he's teaches that class where he te- he invites kids who want to be first responders okay. to come learn about it. Um, we wound up over there because of mental health stuff. Right. He, I, I, I asked him, uh, he told a story about his wife is, I don't know if she is still, but was mm-hmm. basically a vegetable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Took a, a beating from COVID. Um, his daughter, mm-hmm. multiple suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, young girl with a, with a couple of kids. You would never know this by meeting this man. Yeah. He is the... Ha- oh, by the way, he also is, ba- he is on and off battling cancer. Oh, yes. wow. He is the sweetest, happiest, most genial, jovial man. I've, you would never guess any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a wonderful human being, and I'm glad he's around. You know, kids right down the street at Bowser, and he could probably and would be happy to get kids involved. He he beyond you know the youth that are interested in being first responders or want to join law enforcement. He thinks it's important for other people to join his class to just learn how to navigate okay. what how to speak to police when you're pulled over, what to expect. You know, he wants to teach youth how to engage with the justice system if it ever happens, which the preparation, it, it it's not that there's an expectation there. It's just how can I teach youth how to navigate certain aspects of our world so that when they're faced with it, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. There's they're prepared. There's something there. OK. You know, um, I, I I love the concept and he's a he's a phenomenal a great concept, person. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Uh, you talked about it briefly, uh, but I'd like you to expound, if you could, on your thoughts when it comes to treatment with medication. So medication to me is, I feel like, the last resort, right? You, you've expounded everything else that you've been able to try. Your brain is telling you this is not working. I cannot keep doing this um, for this amount of time. The disclaimer with that is I tell people when you start medication, you don't stop it. Um, so if you want to start medication and we have the conversation, you have to understand that this is a lifelong process, right? Once you stop taking that medication, you become unbalanced all over again. It's not amoxicillin, I tell people. Yeah, it's not like I can take leave the pink stuff in my refrigerator for 13 years and take it at 13 years old. Um, you need to take it every day at a certain time um, as prescribed, right? And when you're getting close to the end, don't wait until it's gone to then refill. Um, but you need to be able to also have a conversation with your therapist or your psychiatrist about how you're feeling about your medication, right? So you should be able to say, hey, I've taken this for about a good 30 days. I don't like how it feels. Let me try something different. Or is there something different I can try? Or I've taken it, but I haven't been eating for two days. Or I've taken it, and I haven't been sleeping for three or four days. Um, but people don't like to have those conversations because it's taboo, right? Taking medication feels odd. It feels uncomfortable. Why do I take it for the rest of my life? 
because you have your brain for the rest of life. That's why I share. <laughs> I, that's why I overshare yes. yeah. my experience with medication. Do you know? Uh, do you know anyone at Unison by any, by any chance? Not too many. No. Um, my therapist, an ex girlfriend, set me up with because I was seeking to go down the path of uh, DBT, okay. dialectical behavioral yep. therapy. I thought I went. I actually think I hardwired my brain in a bad way with with CBT. Okay. I wanted someone to kind of give me that abstract feeling back, so I wasn't so coldly logical. Um, <laughs> so she sent me to a woman named Pam Lee, okay. and uh, Pam and I deeply connected. And one of the moments that's that's in my highlights of her is, and, and I always kind of knew it, but hearing her say it in, in her unique, distinctive delivery. Um, I told her about my just my history and then getting on medication. And then she's like, oh, honey, you didn't have a chance until you were on your Cymbalta. <laughs> but, and, and that was the crappy part. Like I spent so long chasing it. And literally the Cymbalta when I got on it in 2015 saved my life because mm-hmm. I don't know how much longer I could have gone with the undiagnosed anxiety burning up my body. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about though how you go about changes? So, because I think especially the population of people that are afraid to be on medication mm-hmm. and then you're on medication and you're like, well, this is it. How do you advocate for um, when you're like, mm, something's not quite right? What do you do? I'm very self-aware okay. um, and I, I am a reformed hypochondriac <laughs> because of my my, yes. my, my bipolar too. Um, I don't know. I'm just really aware, but th- there was time... The Cymbalta saved my life. Mm-hmm. I looked at it as as godlike. Okay. Um, in 2018 or so, I started late 2018. I started doing uh, the morning show here, mm-hmm. and I was really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, the hours were rough. Job was was emotionally challenging. A lot of frustration. Um, I had turned 40 in 2019, okay. and I. And I was, I was tired. I wanted to like go to sleep at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I just chalked it up to tough hours, years of losing the battle to my my mental health demons had, had taken their toll. And I'm 40. Like, oh, man. <laughs> um, and I, thankfully, I, my PCP is also my prescriber. And okay. he, he is a savant. Um I, I went to him and they're like, let's tweak the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was uh, 60 milligrams Cymbalta. Okay. And I didn't know, but our bodies change. Yes. And, and it began to cause me this, this lethargy mm-hmm. where I literally would want to and try to and accomplish sleeping for 12 hours and still wake up and have that, that wanting to go to sleep feeling the next day. Um, he brought me down to 30 or 20, added, I think, 150 of Wellbutrin. Um, literally, the next day, I'm very fortunate, again, self-aware. And another, I seem to adapt to drugs very quickly, okay. uh, as opposed to having to wait 30 days, yep. which I know is another thing that keeps people off them. Within a couple of days, um, I was I was a new human being. Okay. My girlfriend, the woman I was dating at the time, thought that I was having like an episode, ah, a, a manic yep. episode. Mm-hmm. And... Verbal gymnastics, semantics, whatever. Um, I was running around all morning, run lots of errands, super excited to buy this at Target and blah, blah. And I had a work thing in the afternoon. It was a 70, 70 degree sunny day. Oh, the best. I, 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 was, <laughs> I wasn't out of control. I was, for the first time in as long as I could remember. Had energy. Yeah. Or at least wasn't tired. Yes. And she, my, my, the girl was worried about me, but I was like, I, no, 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 no. It's like just nice to be able to take advantage of all the hours I'm not in bed mm-hmm. 
half of those wanting to be in bed. And I'm constantly juggling medications. In fact, I, I think I went back up to 30 of my Cymbalta. I, I, I couldn't actually keep track, but right. um, I know there's a lot of scary aspects of, of medicine. But I think the, the way you navigate it, which was, and so I'll just share, because he shares publicly yep. where he'll go into whatever online platform your PCP has, send a message, oh. and then the change happens. <laughs> well, so I, it's I not so, I mean, so even <laughs> the, like the intimidation of being on a medication, it's truly a working progress. Like it's, it and it, it's not something that is difficult as we make it out to not, seem, where you can easily shoot a message to your doctor in whatever online portal you have, the doctor responds, and then the change is sent to your pharmacy, mm-hmm. and that change happens within days. It's not something that can because we add so much fear to it which I understand from history long yes, history of long. of trauma but we have since kind of evolved in a way that we can allow it to work for us 100%, 100%. I also try to one of my goals is to um, shorten the journey others have to take to wellness yes. whether you're 13 23 Thirty-three. I want you. To, I want you to take the agony I went through and my mm-hmm. lessons, and, and mm-hmm. I want you to fast track. So, having an online conversation the other day with a friend, and there was a bit of conflict, and trying to explain like how we're on different sides of this, but we're on the same, same. side yes. overall. And it's like there are workarounds. This is why we do what we do. We want to share um, what we can with right. people who might not necessarily come across it. Like I just found out that Mark Cuban has a really inexpensive drug service. Yes, um, he will charge you fifteen percent above whatever he pays, which is not much for medications. They will mail it to you. Mm-hmm. I considered that there is uh, there's Amazon Amazon Pharmacy, which actually sounds uh, it, it sounds unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's if you're a Prime member, you pay five dollars a month. Okay. And if you were on three different medications and they carry them, no matter the the dosage, they're all five bucks a month. Oh wow! And they just drop to your door. So there are via a, drone. Not yep. yet. Oh, we're cool. getting Jeff there, Bezos brings them to you. <laughs> we're getting there. Um, the other thing that we we often talk about, and I'm sure you do as as well, when it comes to to, to medications. Um, did I lose my train of thought? That's my train of thought. Medications. Because I since I talked about drones. Because <laughs> I talked about drones. AI's coming in. All that stuff. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Oh, sorry. Um, and this is very reme- and, and, and this is a remedial thing that I learned six, seven years ago at coalition stuff. Um, and it will always be applicable. You uh your mom has diabetes, mm-hmm. especially in the black community. Yes. Gotta take insulin or whatever it is your dad or who you have such and such you always have to take your medication for that right. what's difference about taking this for in between the years right. nothing but I think a lot of it is the medication mental health medication has a stigma right mm-hmm. it just has the, and I think mental health itself like even backtrack to mental health in general it just has a stigma so then I have to take a medication for the fact that I have a mental health issue then requires like well why do I have to take a medication for my brain right and what we miss is that the brain is the most powerful muscle in the, in, the, in the body, right? So if you're not, if your brain isn't at 95%, 100% every day, you're not giving 100% every day. It's just impossible. So if you're taking your medication and it's giving you that extra, you're good. Um, but then no one has to know that you're taking a mental health. You don't have to scream, right. like, oh, I'm taking my, right. my Xanax right now, or I'm taking my, uh, my antidepressant right now. Just take it and then go on about your day like a vitamin, right? Or you take your breakfast and you take your medication, you keep it pushing. Um, 
and everybody doesn't have to have um, this ability to say, well, I'm on this medication and you need to know about it, right? But everybody doesn't have that same journey. Yes. So what would you say, I mean, beyond the uh, diabetes that runs within our community, what also runs within our community? And this and this is this is I feel like this is challenging mm-hmm. for people like you and I, because in a way we understand. But what would you say to those people that are like, in the name of Jesus, take these intrusive <laughs> thoughts away in the name of Jesus? And it's like, no, in the name of Cecil. Yes. Take these and, wait, this is the crazy part. And then put an and in the name of Jesus. Right. You can do both. There's no two things can be correct at the same time. And it's really weird that people have this concept like you can be spiritual and right. Christian and Baptist and Pentecost, whatever you want to identify mm-hmm. as, and still go see a therapist. Correct. Right? God was a therapist, right? If you if you want to... Yeah. <laughs> and created you. Right. And, and created you who therapist, was destined right? for this work. Yes. So I think it, it's okay to have both. You mm-hmm. can still go to church and you can still praise and read the Bible or whatever you decide to read and then still come and see me, mm-hmm. right? Or come and see another therapist that may fit your religion or your spirituality. Um, because there are spiritual therapists or there are people who are Christian therapists who are based on that's where their modality is based on Mm -hmm. but it doesn't change the fact that you have you can pray it away that's right Right. I pray the gay away all the time (laughs) (laughs) Um, one of the other things that I share uh, one of my first NAMI events a woman um knew my history and she came up to me she said my kid's 17 years old he's he's, he has something we can't get an accurate diagnosis he is completely opposed to taking to taking any kind of medication right because he thinks his dick won't work anymore (laughs) and what i say to that and and, because you brought up side effects and even if it doesn't work (laughs) the fact that your brain is working better makes more sense will allow you to process that it's not working the the fear that you have you'll find out it ain't so bad it's not and there's there's side effects to everything and you got other body parts (laughs) <laughs> but there's side effects to <laughs> there are side effects to everything that we this walk is not the cable earth, show anymore right? <laughs> like if I pick my cell phone up and put it in my ear too much I'll get cancer or radiation right? right it's like what like there's a side effect if I eat too much popcorn I'll get popcorn lungs so it's like there's a side effects to anything that you do in life taking a medication to make you be able to feel <laughs> functional and feel 100% and not have maybe 13 intrusive thoughts every single day. Maybe you go down from 13 to two, right. right? That is progress. Maybe by the time you're 35 or 30, you can talk to hims or whoever if you're having those issues. But that doesn't change the fact that you need to take medication for your brain. To your point of, of the, the scary S word, stigma, you know, I obviously brought up the, the sex sex part, um, but also I, that stigmatized and a lot of people were concerned that they'll, they'll lose that. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, the weight gain thing, I think, also yeah. bugs people as well. And that keeps yes. them away yes. from stuff. Yes. But but the, the point remains, once your brain is stable, you talked about the 95% to yeah. 100. If you're not on that, that helpful medication, you might be at 65%. So you're not going to be able to handle somebody cutting you off in traffic. Right. But if we get you to 95% or 97, thanks to that medication, you'll be able to manage your life and your problems. And mm-hmm. you'll see that they won't be so big anymore. Correct. And it's easier to not have be irrational all the time to be rational right right? so if i'm taking a medication and i'm always irrational or i'm constantly thinking about yeah if i just you know walk into the bank and to send them a give them a note and walk out i'll be okay um but then the medication goes no don't do that right now right that's not the smart logical thing to do um it turns that logical back part back in Mm -hmm. and you're like okay this makes more sense now Mm -hmm. but if you're worried about the 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 sex issue or the weight gain that's what they make gyms for um 
or they walk outside, right? Mm-hmm. Another coping skill. I'm taking my medication, but I'm also walking, right? Or I'm going into nature now, right? So it's kind of it gives you a combination. Of maybe you find a new way to free yourself, and then teach the people around <clears throat> you what's going on with you. Yes. You know what I mean? I think another part where <clears throat> I have heard it very often is I don't want to be a zombie. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be a zombie. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. Beyond making sure you have a good communicating relationship with your prescriber so you yes. can make those changes as needed. Also communicate with the people in your life to understand what's happening with you. You know, so that if if you're a walking zombie, it's like, okay, well, why don't we go do something? Like, yes. come on, let's go outside. Let's, you know what I mean? Yep. Tell Teach the people around you what you need. Mm-hmm. And we have so many more medications and right. I know that that's also scary and frustrating because yes. one of the things that with the people that I'm able to get in touch with is they're they don't they're worried they won't make it the 30 days to let the medication work and mm-hmm. that seems like such a lifetime but the thing I always share is regardless of how many times you have to run to the pharmacy in that 30 days mm-hmm. to, to give it that that good old take mm-hmm. um, that try um, when you find the right one you will feel like a different person. I am I am positive that my demons before I got on Cymbalta would have made me take my life because I just couldn't live like that anymore. Right. Took the Cymbalta and all that stuff went away. Mm-hmm. And it was, did it, I wish I would have found it sooner. I didn't, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. That's the and it and it sucks. Like, hey, this might not work for a month. Yes. Side effects, but I am telling you, when you find the right one, it's worth it. I have we have a very good friend. She's actually going to my therapist, but okay. there's an insurance issue. Um, she's fortunate to have resources, and it's like 130 bucks a session. Ooh. She had she had very serious trauma. I said, same thing with the medication. You have it. It's it's a worthwhile investment. Mm-hmm. It's, so let's say you do 10 sessions over the course of three or four months. First of all, you have already done your your, your chat with her. You see she's going to help you. Is 1500 bucks worth eradicating some of those horrible demons that were in your life? We put it that way. It's like, yeah, that, that, that's that's better than whatever I could buy at Target for 1300 bucks. Right. Do a little both. All right, all right, all right. Do both. Uh, kids, family, wife. What keeps, why, do you stay up till 2 a.m. watching Laker games? <laughs> what keeps me motivated? No, 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 just, just, just What would just, I do? This is I me mean, just prying into your life now. Oh, no. Tell us oh. about yourself. Tell me about all of this. Tell us about yourself. Where did they, okay. 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 they touch you? No. Uh, <laughs> um, I am a, I am a gamer. I'm a nerd by nature. Oh, the old school games. Old school games, new school games. I am a nerd by trade, so I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the technology stuff. I love, I have Funko Pops all in my office. Um, I have comic books in my office. Um, I just simply enjoy the inner child in me. Mm. Um, I go to Dave and Buster's with my son, who's, who just turned eight yesterday. I have a um, meeting at Dave and Buster's on Wednesday. Isn't well, that nice? I have never been. Like I, an he always, actual, he always makes me go on a weekend. retreat. <laughs> right, it's like fun. Um, <laughs> I let's see. Um, what else about me? Um, let, let me may I interrupt. I was of gonna, one of my questions from early on, but I didn't want to stop the, the nope, serious talk. Yeah. Was I wanted to know what your office was like? Oh yeah, my office is so. Uh, it's kind of boring, I say, but it's a couch, a chair, a desk. But Funkos. But Funko Pops. So I have a whole bookcase of Funko Pops. What uh, comic books? I have DC comic books. I have some Marvel comic books. My f- top three Marvel characters. So I have Black Panther all over my office because I love Black Panther. Um, I have a bunch of... I got some 
anime guys, I got Carrie from like the 1970 movie Carrie. Um, I have, what else do I have in my office? I have my mom posted right in the middle of my mm-hmm. office with my degrees around her. Um, but my office is like, everybody who comes in says it's cozy and it's comfortable. This is another reason why we relate. And I saw this when he made some posts about old games and then he's like, mm-hmm. take my hat off and I forget I got gray hair. I'm like, oh, this, this, this is my guy. Um, do, do you... you this is not to, for no. me to gloat or anything. It's actually like one of the things I actually have decent self-esteem about. Do you know how old I am? You said 40, so about 41. Ah, fuck. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm 44. Okay. And I, I think I think I aged well. You but did, I, Thank you. Um, I, I also have that inner child. Yes. Um, you can't see it here, but my <laughs> she's been to my house. I'll show oh, you pictures. Oh, here, I'll show you. Okay. you I, while you talk. So I, I started adding up old game systems because Ooh. nothing was coming out on my on the four yeah. or the five I wanted. Um, then I, I dug into eBay, saw how cheap some of these Genesis games were that nice. my mom wouldn't buy me or I couldn't afford. And uh, I got a Genesis and games, and it's all in this room um, laid out all over the floor where I might have... I couldn't even guess a Rolls Royce worth of Transformers Ooh. in a room. You, did, you didn't renovate your basement. Shut the hell up. <laughs> you do. I don't. I, I think Belinda said that. I, no, there's nothing there. Exactly. He has a sweet basement. You could finish it, and that would be your spot. It's, it's you call it a nerd cave. And nice. I, I, do you, you find sh- yourself? You haven't shared your nerd cave in a while. I. Do you find yourself doing these things because it was like the best? time of your life or like I just said I buy a lot of Jordans now because mm-hmm. I couldn't have I, I wasn't yeah. allowed to buy them when I was a kid yeah, so I I'm think, doing it now yeah I think it's it's that and then I also think I in, even as a kid I enjoy playing on the game system like I had from Sega Genesis all the way up into the Xbox and then stopped for a little while um, but that was my thing that was my escape I think a lot of it was escapism um, sometimes video games are just escapism or reality and so I get to just play video games and control it oh that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's only one wall. There's, a, there's another wall. And that's amazing as well. <laughs> there's another wall. Those are, oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an amazing it's, nerd. It's something. Um, it, it, it's something I'm always kind of, well, I'll move on. But, what, 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 oh, go ahead. So, yeah, I think for me, I, I've always loved video games um, since I've been a kid from Sonic to I was playing Super Nintendo when I was going to my mom's friend's house to... Um, say the Dreamcast. I just loved video games always. So now as an adult, I'm like, ooh, I can buy them. Um, so like, yeah. right? I can actually afford them again. What was your? What was the game that you think you played the most or had the most memories with as a kid? For some reason, I don't know why Sega Dreamcast keeps popping in my head, but I love the Dreamcast. I think it was like one of the. I think playing like NBA 2K on the Dreamcast was nice, or Crazy Taxi. Um, I loved Crazy Taxi. Um, like that. that game was so fun. Um, How old are you? I just turned thirty-seven. Okay. I thought you might be. I thought you might give me a Nintendo. Mine was uh, Super Tech Mobile. Okay, okay. It's an old person game. But but I remember <laughs> playing. Man. I remember when Sega first came out. My mom, I think my grandma got it for me for Christmas, and I played Sonic like all day. Sonic. Yeah, like I Sonic liked, was like. I'm not good. a gamer, but I we did Grand Theft Auto, Crazy Taxi, Crash Bandicoot. Yep. Yeah. Oh. It, I played that as an adult, by the way, and I cannot do it because the anxiety of like, mm, mm, I was, I could not do it. Like as an adult, I could not process my anxious brain, like making sure that boulder didn't run me over. And I was like, jump on the box. Or Contra. That was my thing too. Oh, my Up, goodness. up, down, down, left, right, BA, select, start. Are you, um, are you playing any old games now? 
Ooh, let's see. What am I? And I mean, like from that era. That I'm trying to think. Um, Ooh, Mortal Kombat. So I bought like a. It's called a Rock Alley, which is like a Steam Deck, mm-hmm. which I can like a handheld Windows computer. Um, and I downloaded the PS2 emulation. Um, and I've been playing like uh, NBA Street. Um, Great game. That was like one of my like top games. Um, then I have like a NES Mini, which I play sometimes too, but I haven't played it in a while. But I usually play like Sonic. I have like a bunch of other games on that too. Have you played Genesis at all lately? I haven't in a while. I've stocked up on a bunch bunch of games, and it's funny. You think that some of these things are really expensive, and they're they're not. I go to Replay, and they okay. they have things. eBay sometimes. Just telling this to a dude last night, I'm like, when I find something on eBay, a lot of times the shipping is more expensive than the cartridge, <laughs> and they'll say, "Sorry, we don't have the case for the instructions." I'm like, I don't care. You can look it up on. You can Google that now. Here is a here is a, a mental health thought of mine, and I wonder if you have these these pop culture references as well. And I'm not a. We were tougher back in my day, kind of oh, person, no, no, no. but um. It's just different now. Yes. Uh, do you play, you play current games at all? Yes. So I have been playing. Um, me and my son played FIFA last night. Right. Um, Any like role playing games or stuff like that? Spider Man Two was the game we played yesterday. What'd you think? I loved it. Honestly, did you um, play the first two? I played the first. I played the Miles Morales one. Okay. Um, the Miles Morales one was nice. This one is actually the the 4K and it looks amazing. Did you finish the game? I have not finished the Spider-Man 2 game yet. It's, uh, it's, the story is, is the story is lovely and it's a great story that's one of the most enjoyable boss battles I ever had. Okay. Um, not super replayable for me because it wasn't much different than the first two games but I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that but I can finish the thought now. (laughs) In today's game, this is why we're tougher than, than kids today. You grew up playing Spider-Man, and when you died, you just respawned where you died. Yes. Contra, you were going back 58 levels. Yes. It took you. It took me 20 yes. minutes and 38 tries to get to that, yes. and I died. And, and I got all, all the way back. back to the beginning of the level. All the way. Like, now there's checkpoints, right? There's right. Those things as a checkpoint when I was a kid. You had to start all over. Like, Sonic, you die, you went to the beginning of the level. Right. You, uh, be, you get to the boss, you don't start over no, with no, the no, boss. No, 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 You go all the way back. Oh, yeah. And that's why we're tougher. Yes. I was... <laughs> And you'll get like five lives. So like <laughs> That's why kids these days are bitches. <laughs> um, no, I take that back. They're not. Sometimes. Some of them are. <laughs> but some adults are bitches. Um, how about like shows you watch or sports you're into? Um, so I'm a football player. I'm not a football player, I'm a football watcher. Never played football. What team? Uh the Steelers. Mm. We look terrible this year. Do you, so... would you is it time to move on from Tomlin? No. I think people are crazy when they say that. Just need a really talented offensive coordinator? I think we need a better quarterback. And Does his first name start with Ussel or sound like Ussel? <laughs> I've heard of that. I just read an article about that too. Um, so I'm curious, but I'm I'm kind of on the fence because our offensive line sucks. So <laughs> there's that too. So if he's throwing, who, how is he going to throw the ball and he's not being protected? So that's another issue. We think Sierra screwed him up and I think we're right. I don't think that. That's wrong <laughs> I mean, friend. The, okay, sorry. Wrong that, friend. That organization kind of they kind of spit in his face, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what so you're a Steelers cool. fan. Yes. How'd you how'd you become a Steelers fan? So my mom had um, this really close friend that I didn't realize they were dating, but they were dating. Um, and he was a Steelers fan, an avid Steelers fan, and watched football consistently on a Sunday. Um, and so I just became, I started watching football with him and became a Steelers fan. Who's your favorite player ever for, for any team? Um, ooh. As a kid, I used to love watching Barry Sanders. Okay. Mm. I used to love watching him play. Now he's making corny commercials, which I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I used to love watching him. Same. Yeah, same. Like, he was amazing. Um, 
Uh, ba- basketball at all? Uh, I stopped watching basketball probably around like 2010-ish um, because it just became three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the... I watched 90s basketball all my life. And then I watched early 2000 basketball all my life. And then I got to 2010. I was like, oh, thanks, Steph Curry. (laughs) (laughs) Does Draymond Green need therapy? We have been arguing about this. Draymond Green needs therapy. He needs help. Draymond Green is a very good actor. (laughs) I just feel like that's like. He is unwell. He may be, but Dennis Rodman also did the same thing. And did it worse. Yeah, Rodman. Dennis probably needed a little therapy too. Yeah. Okay. I told her the other day, and I've never had this thought until she put me on the spot. Mm-hmm. And I think I've proved my mental health wears to you. I completely agree. And and the Warriors, which is weird because I love Kerr, yes. the Warriors have coddled him yes. because he was that. an integral part of the team. Yes. Um his and Jordan Poole was also an asshole. Yes. Um he has never had his career flash flash before his eyes. And where was- where someone's where Adam Silver's gonna go. Like three, five years ago, fifty games. Yes. Or this, no one's ever said that to him, and nobody's ever clocked him back. Correct. You need to watch the SNL skit when Draymond Green came on during the weekend update. With uh, it, it, it is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> the guy was like, "Yeah, I play dark skin basketball." <laughs> and I was like, first of all, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna laugh at this because it's fucking hilarious. But he needs help. He needs I therapy. I don't. I just feel like he's. I, the, it, there are a lot of actors in the NBA right now, right? Um, LeBron can be touched with a pinky and still flop, right? And this is like, <laughs> this is why I don't watch the NBA as I used to, um, because Jordan was getting elbow in the, he had to lift weights mm-hmm. to prevent from the bad boys of the Pistons uh, killing him basically in the paint. Draymond Green would not, he would have had one incident in the 90s. And it would have been over. Charles Oakley would have whooped his ass. <laughs> and it would have been over. I, I, same thing. Uh, I got into basketball like mid to late eighties mm-hmm. with Barkley. I grew up in Philadelphia. Nineties okay. um, basketball too. Sixers didn't make the playoffs, so I watched a lot of like Heat. Uh, Bull, I'm a huge Bulls fan, obviously, okay. but Heat Knicks games. And Iverson came along, and he's yep. one of my favorite players ever. And I remember in the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, I heard especially, um, especially the older white people, um, <laughs> like it's not, it's not what I like. There's no fundamentals. All they do is want to get on 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 Sports Center, and it's dunks. And then exactly what you just said, yeah. Steph Curry comes along, and what you have craved, you wanted fundamentals, and now you, not you, yeah, but everybody else, yeah, it went too far. I get mm. it. It went to three pointers or, or, or layups, yes. but I was like, hello, old white guy. <laughs> Even everybody, you were like, you wanted, wanted less yes. dunks, and now Steph Curry's burning thirty-seven foot shots yes. with a perfect stroke. Well, I still don't like it. I get it. I get it. Boston <laughs> takes like fifty threes a night, and yes. I get it. Um, or if you see a score where I just saw where the Pistons one fi- one fifty six to one f- like I'm like these scores I, no one was cracking a hundred yeah. no one was cracking a hundred in the nineties and early two thousands in the eighties seventies um, and eighties it was like one fifteen one oh seven max seventies well, and eighties we we still had some yes. offense okay you're right the nineties <laughs> like if you got to ninety <laughs> it's like wow everybody was hitting on tonight um, I hated. I didn't hate it, but I was like, wow, this is tough. Like, it's 77-75, and it's the end of the game. Now now that's, like, shortly into the third quarter. Yes, and that's why I'm like, NBA so much now, and my my son, Miles, loves 
LeBron, and he can name you all the players, John Morant, all of them. Um, but I just can't sit and watch a game with him because I'm like, this is... It's not the same. It's not the it's same. It's not the same. It, it's not. The officiating is different. The offense has gone beyond uh, where it was, even in the heyday. Yes. The Denver Nuggets team scoring 130 points um, because off- offense sells. Yes. But I, the other thing I pushed back on with the Steph Curry era was... Um, Steph Curry. The, the, he changed the game. This is... Yeah, for sure. He did. This is probably the most talented set mm-hmm. Um because there were some stars with Jordan and Stockton was a, a fundamental yes. hero and Barkley was six four and grabbing all the rebounds. Mm-hmm. But and I get it, it's different medical science, health, mm-hmm. sports science, but the guys that we had in the tens were some of the greatest athletes yes. ever. And to watch them <clears throat> to watch them uh play was was something special. I, I had a conversation when I used to do sports radio. Um I had a guy who didn't like LeBron. Because okay. he was a Detroit guy. Yeah. He hated Jordan, hated LeBron. And uh, I, I said to him, it was like, LeBron is the best player in the game. And we're talking 2012, 2013. Okay. Okay. LeBron's the best player in the game. But Kevin Durant is the best scorer in the game. Yes. And I, he went ballistic. But Kev, Kevin Durant is unlike so many other players in basketball. We had, we had Dirk Nowitzki for mm-hmm. a time. Um, God, who else? Pos- I mean, John Morant now does things uh, when he's not in a car and <laughs> online that people just can't do. Yes, um, yes. I, I, I listened Choices. to a podcast last night and I have seen his stats. I clearly have to watch Shea uh, Gilgis-Alexander. Who's, okay, yep. Because these guys are doing things that we, we never would have imagined. No, 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 no. Yes, and I feel like John Morant reminds me of young Derrick Rose. Right, before the knee injuries, right? The ability to just go down the lane and just throw your body and still make a shot. I got a better comp on, on you for that. Um, Jalen Brunson. I don't know if I have. What team? Knicks. He's oh. become an all-star. Okay. Okay. Um, wait, to go backwards, since we're doing sports now. <laughs> I I am much less of a football fan. Okay. Um, because I, I hate when I hear stats brought up now, like Brock Purdy's thrown for more yards than any San Francisco quarterback history. in history, and they've got well, you know the game is like completely different yeah. now. It's like, <laughs> they throw all the time. You cannot touch receivers at all. I, right. I have another Detroit friend, and he swears that Calvin Johnson is the greatest receiver in history. And I, it, the answer to that is always Jerry Rice. Calvin Johnson yes. has a physical advantage. Yes. Um, six five. He was the size. He's LeBron. Yeah, yes. LeBron on the field. Yes. He could. If Jerry Rice was the same size as Calvin Johnson, he would have three thousand yards every year. Easily. And Jerry Rice had the threat of literally being decapitated every single time in in the nineties and eighties. Now there's no decapitations. No. You you have a better chance of being hurt from your coach for you not making a play <laughs> than from a defensive player. Yes. Yes. Football. Rant over. What shows do you watch or movies? Or favorite Marvel movie? Favorite, you can't say Black Panther. Uh, favorite Marvel movie would probably be, I was just watching it a couple of days ago, Doctor Strange. Great one. Mm. Um, like that first phase of Marvel, it was amazing. I don't know what's going on now. Um, but that first <laughs> phase of Marvel was Disorganization, like, every, too much quantity. <laughs> like, it was just amazing. Um, I even watched The Dark One and was like, mm, so Which one? The Multiverse, the Dark, the Dark Strange, Doctor Strange Multiverse. It was, there was a lot going on. It was too much. And I was like, mm, the first one was so much better and so much cleaner. Um, the second one was just like, it just was too disorganized. Is it because they're throwing in all those Disney shows in between? Like, they, I feel they, like they're just... Throwing the universe yeah, all they, yeah, 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 yeah. It was during yeah. COVID and they were asked mm-hmm. to get, to do as much content as possible to build up Disney Plus and they lost like, they, they the, lost the quality. The multiverse. Yeah. I, I do think... <laughs> the, mess. the last one that was amazing was the WandaVision. That was decent. WandaVision was very good. Yes. 
Um, Loki. I haven't watched it. I didn't mm, like the first episode. Was kind of uh, it's very it's, Star Wars? it's weird. I love Star Wars. Oh, I've seen the. I haven't seen anything after the first six, like the newer ones. Uh, but like the first original six, I'm like definitely watch. What's them. your favorite one? Is it when he's young, Anakin? Mm. Um, Phantom Menace. Yes. A lot of people hate that movie. I love it. I love the most. Um, to go backwards um, with Marvel stuff, not Black Panther's your favorite. What other characters do you like? So Doctor Strange. Um, who else is it? Would I be stereotyping? But I asked Luke Cage. No, I don't like Luke Cage. Uh-uh. Black Panther. Because I, 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 I had a kid named ask me. I always ask that question in therapy with kids. What's your top three Marvel characters? <laughs> I love asking that question. Or who's your favorite cartoon character? Um, and they always like. Um, so Doctor Strange, Black Panther, um, and I. Oh, um, Deadpool. Who? Deadpool. Deadpool. Oh, okay. Deadpool. I love yeah. him. He's sarcastic. He, he very know, much is. You know what book I'm going to start? You remember no. I said I was going to start some um, audiobooks? Yes. Dune. I'm going to go oh, into the. I'm enjoy gonna start it. it. I don't know. I'm going to. Did you watch Dune? I have not. Yeah, you should watch it. Okay. If you Dude. like Star Wars, you should get into okay. it. I got nothing else. I am. I am. I'm not, I'm not going to do my radio show today. You're but fulfilled. This is a blast. <laughs> nice. Do you do you want to throw anything out there? Ask anything. Um, anything you want to share? No, I just know I enjoy being invited to this. Um, this I is, can't wait to help you. You're going to let me help you. Of course. Pledge, I can help you. Of course. You can. Thank you. I would also say I've known Cecil for quite some time, but I don't think we've gotten to know each other in the way that we have in the last like no two three months. Yeah. But yeah. we've worked together consistently yes. Yes. for at least two three years. Yes. <laughs> like, One last question, I guess. Yes. Um, shout out um, somebody that you're connected with um, that you think is doing wonderful things in the mental health community. Mm. I'm going to shout out one of my closest friends who she gets on my nerves sometimes, right? Gives on my gray hairs, Drea. Yes. Who's that? Um, Drea Hill. She is another mental health therapist, therapist at private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, she has done a lot of great things in the community. Um, she gets on my nerves though sometimes, but <laughs> she pushes me to think outside the box. Yes. And I don't have many people like that that push me outside to think outside the box. So I'll shout out to her. Um, and yeah. I can't. Thank you enough and blame you enough for not making this happen sooner. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'm sure you'll be back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This was how Eric and I connected. I came to the show years ago to talk about the Wellness Center when it first opened and then would nonstop talking after that. And then one day he's like, hey, come be on the show. And I'm like, what for? And he's like, ah, just to shoot the shit. I'm like, great. (laughs) I got to show you a picture that... um, if she died and I put up at, at her memorial, <laughs> she would rise from the grave and, and murder you, yeah, bring I'll, you right down I'll, with I'll me. You. Don't show him that picture. Why not? Why would you do that to me? Yeah, it's not? horrible. I, actually, so you know what? It, I actually have a lot of bad pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. The, 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 the Petey one. <laughs> Thomas is... took one the other day. My husband took one the other day, and I literally look like Felicia. Like, you know, because my hair is curly, so yes. sometimes you got to get creative. So I had it in multiple braids and literally look like Felicia. Like, that just. Hilarious. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> like, all right, bye. And that's how we'll end. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>